0: hello and welcome to film inquiries the latest this is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news and movie releases i'm your host jesse nussman and this week we have a very special sorkin episode uh the big movie of the week is aaron sorkin's trial of the chicago seven which is now streaming on netflix uh on the other line special guest one that avid listeners of the show through past episodes will recognize. It's uh, it's Hunter Heilman.
1: Hello, how are you? Hi. We've already um, established this before recording, but let's do it on the air.
0: Let's let's do it again. Um. <laughs> so, A- our uh, Hunter, I was about to call you Aaron. This is about to get like really confusing.
1: <laughs> um. <laughs> and on the other line, we actually have Aaron Sorkin with us. Welcome, welcome, Aaron guys. Sorkin. <laughs> I'm going to tell no, you exactly I, what I think about your new movie. Please don't hate me.
0: What a podcast that would be. Uh, Hunter, I brought you on because I feel like, you, feel like our conversations are very Sorkin-esque and they're rapid fire, often interrupting each other's sentences sort of way. So maybe that would be fitting. Um,
1: yeah, and then half of the stuff I say is like really cringe and bad most of the time anyway. So. Uh, all right. Um, that is a gross generalization. <laughs> I'm just making a joke. It is it's just a cringe thing i say just like it's a cringe thing that sorkin writes
0: uh well maybe let's first talk about aaron sorkin um the you know famed screenwriter behind such movies as a few good men and the social network and such tv series as the west wing and the newsroom i don't let's forget just maybe studio talk 60 on J-
1: the sunset strip sports night i actually, I actually have ha-
0: to admit I'm, I actually, I'm less heard, familiar with the Aaron Sorkin like TV. Me universe. too,
1: same. But I've actually heard Sports Night is good. I heard Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, however, heard that's not great.
0: Uh I would agree with those. Um, Hunter, let me first ask like, so what do you think of when you think of Aaron Sorkin and you think of an Aaron Sorkin script? Because he is one of those screenwriters like a Quentin Tarantino or I don't know. You and I had a conversation about Charlie Kaufman on our first episode together. He is someone who I think people think of in a, there, there's a very clear idea of an Aaron Sorkin script. And so what, what, what to you sort of defines Sorkin?
1: Um, What defines Sorkin to me is like a really slick approach to whatever it is that he is tackling and he tackles a wide range of things, but something that is really quick and quippy something that relies Mm -hmm. heavily on its dialogue to tell the story rather than kind of these grand motifs it's rather uh, introducing things through like clever ways of incorporating plot into dialogue without making it so obvious Mm -hmm. until sometimes it just is um not everything sorkin has written has been um has been particularly subtle but a lot of times sometimes the unsubtle things do work it just depends on the context it depends on at what point in whatever project he's working in it happens at and you get mixed results with it but when it's good you get something great and when it's not great it's it can be a little cringe. It can be a little uncomfortable, but it's never to the point where I'm really like, this person isn't talented. This person shouldn't write anymore. It's like, okay, he like did a few more things, a Sorkin-esque things that I didn't like, but he never loses his sorkin I guess. Yeah. Uh, I,
0: I, I typically always think of this just sort of like, rapid fire very fast very um very wordy at times like very um you know uh, almost
1: theatrical like it's a stage show sometimes
0: he loves to engage in flourishes i mean he's written several plays outside of his movie and tv um career which you know the most recent was a A Broadway adaptation of To Kill a Mockingbird, which would still love to see. Um, you know what's Broadway?
1: I I forgot (laughs) all about that. Very true.
0: Um and I I think I I as you kind of mentioned earlier, I think I'm a little less familiar with the Sorkin TV realm. I think obviously his biggest show is The West Wing, which is maybe the I would say the signature thing he's probably most known for is being kind of involved in the first I think like four seasons of that show which I would say so you know, also
1: also yeah, they I, did they just did the voter registration special on HBO Max who I have no idea who that's for but you know yeah go off I guess reunions for fans but still yeah. it, it's like you're not hitting your target audience but Sorkin wasn't involved in that so uh I can't blame him for that
0: yeah, I, w- I would say that show is definitely one of the like signature TV shows of like the late 90s, early Absolutely. 2000s. Absolutely. I mean, um, West
1: Wing is always one of the first ones to come up. And I have seen a few episodes of it, but I fully haven't like sat down and watched it. However, what I did see was pretty sharp. However, I have seen some parts of it too that aren't so sharp. But also at the same time, I don't know which parts were fully written by Sorkin and which weren't because things operate a bit differently on television. So who knows yeah
0: um, um and then you know sports night is something that i feel like was not a success at the time but has like a, a avid cult following night. i have i know several people i've yeah. worked with several people who that is their favorite show um you know studio 60 i i have heard as you said less um flattering things about as we well as you know his his most recent show i think was the the newsroom, which i did try to get into and it's sort of the one show that kind of aired during my kind of like peak tv um consuming period and um would say is a show that i um avidly hate uh but
1: (laughs) yeah it's it's so indicative It, it is a show that i have seen as well and it's just so indicative of kind of the i guess like pompousness of like liberalism during the obama administration
0: it is very much Aaron Sorkin's soapbox show, which yeah. I think was kind of my problem with it. Of it, it you got these sort of very like eloquent, fiery speeches by Sorkin about whatever the hot kind of political topic of the moment was, but you kind of got a show that felt like it was. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever seen the the South Park episode with like Captain Hindsight. Who's the superhero that comes in to like tell everyone what they should have done in a oh. disaster? <laughs> but that's what that show kind of felt like, kind of talking about current events like months after they happened and I'm just so, so glad this like, show was this canceled. This is
1: how the media should have covered it. I'm so glad it was cancelled before Trump came around. Yeah. Could you um, imagine? But
0: let's let's talk about sorkin's movies which Much more i would say the only that. one i have not seen is um malice uh yeah same. which um, actually you know i've i've heard is kind of the weakest of his movie screenplays what what movies ha- that he's written kind of stand out to you as personal favorites
1: Ooh, personal favorites. Um, obviously The Social Network. I mean, that's a that yeah. is a that's a which given. he won an
0: Oscar for. Yeah,
1: yeah. The Social Network is fully just like a script that I think he was perfectly in tune with, with all of the good things about Sorkin. I think that's what really worked is that The Social Network is full of like quippy, smart bastards who all think that they're the smartest fucker in the room, which mm-hmm. really works with Sorkin. Like it, it is like. These people were made to have like faux intellectual dialogue going back and forth, kind of like challenging each other for like the intellectual superiority of the room. And that's something that really works with Sorkin, because I think he's self-aware enough to know the type of people, A, that he can play to, but also the type of people that he's portraying. Um, Mm -hmm. I also, for that same reason, really love Steve Jobs yeah
0: i mean that's that's a movie for all its its faults and i don't i i think the times i've rewatched that movie i don't think it i think you know if you imagine it as a plane kind of coming in on a runway i think it kind of like bounces off the runway and crashes into a field at the end but yeah that movie's really fun and you know it's hard to knock like michael fassbender and jeff daniels and um you know kate winslet kate winslet just Seth screaming Rogan. at each other <laughs> yeah it, like, it, it that's, would have that's been a never great, not going to be entertaining
1: yeah it would have been a great stage play definitely yes but like yes, um definitely. i do like the style that like danny boyle brought to it as well so i really enjoyed that and i'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna lie to you i really love molly's game too It's not perfect oh <laughs> it's not perfect but I like Molly's game. It sure game. isn't. <laughs> However, I will yeah, say, I think Molly's what,
0: game is one I definitely want to talk about when we really get into *Trailer Chicago 7, yeah. because that's the other screenplay of his that he actually di- directed. I don't think I the think direction. Is...
1: I don't think he's much of a director. Just to be completely real with you, no, I don't think I d- he is. I don't. However, either. with Molly, maybe Molly's game, I like it a little bit more in hindsight simply because it reminds me of another movie that I swear to God it feels more Sorkin than any sorkin screenplay did you ever see miss sloan with jessica chastain i didn't it came out a year before uh molly's game and i swear to god that feels like a good sorkin script Uh, but it's not it was written by just some dude who's like screenplay ended up on the blacklist and he's like living in asia now just not Mm. not talking to anyone just like some random dude And I think that movie is a little bit more successful than Molly's game. And maybe that's kind of why I go for that. But there's something, I don't know. I like movies about gambling. Uh, They're good. I like, I think they're fun. And maybe because I think gambling is fun. That sounds really bad. I do. It's it's hard
0: for gambling not to be sort of suspenseful
1: in a movie. That's the point. So I think I I do like that movie for, for what it's worth. And I, yeah, I'll fight anyone on that. Um yeah, those those I'm, are my those are my 3 I would say.
0: Okay. I'm I'm a little bit more mixed with uh Molly's game. Um I'm definitely with you. I think Social Networks probably the Social Network and A Few Good Men which is obviously based off of the sort of play that kind of like kickstarted his career. I think those are easily his two best screenplays and I mean A Few Good Men is just like a movie that was just on TV all the time when I was yeah. growing up and so I've I've watched it so many times with just like friends being over or like my sister and I just watching like 20 minutes of it on a Saturday I feel like it's the
1: cinematic equivalent of like an episode of Jag uh
0: I've never seen Jag so no comment
1: (laughs) it's all it's just something that I feel like was always playing in my granddad's house uh
0: yeah I mean is I will stand by it as like one of the most sort of electrifying um movies of the last couple decades um you know, Moneyball is another one I enjoy, but one, I think, you know, that script is a mix of both Sorkin and Steve Zalian. Um, yes.
1: Yeah, and that's, I mean, I think that's a good thing.
0: Yes, definitely. I mean, Steve Zalian is a p- terrific screenwriter uh, in of itself. Yeah. You can definitely tell the Sorkin sections of that mm-hmm. movie. Um, you know, I think for West Wing fans, the American president is a pretty fun romance movie um that's kind of his dry run for the west wing that's that comes out in the mid 90s a movie that is very very surreal to watch in 2020 because it is a very like pre-monica Lewinsky scandal uh like bill clinton era view of the white house and the presidency and what that means to the country um like a very earnest very like romanticized view of that world which feels odd in today's uh world. But um
1: but sometimes th- you just need that escapism. I think that escapism yep. is kind of fun.
0: And then the one that I will say is probably closest to his new movie, um I think is Charlie Wilson's War, which is a, a two thousand seven movie that kind of no one remembers, uh that has Tom Hanks and Julia Roberts, Roberts. and Philip Seymour Hoffman and uh was directed by mike nichols and i think was really trying to say something about the the bush era um although uh it is maybe not his most kind of like eloquently written and sort of like energetic screenplay um i i I think it's interesting like you let's maybe talk a little bit and then we can kind of get into chicago 7 like what kind of works in sorkin versus what doesn't work i think for me, the sort of trifecta of social network, Molly's game, and Steve Jobs is kind of the, the perfect uh, you know, way to analyze this for me. I think one of the the greatest bits of just like behind the scenes content I've ever seen is um on the DVD for the social network and it's essentially just Fincher and um sorkin and occasionally it's andrew garfield or jesse eisenberg is there but it's mostly just venture and sorkin kind of like going back and forth really trying to analyze every single little bit of dialogue every single line in that movie and venture being like i want to let we need to unpack and understand every single word and what it like means and what the intent behind it is and what the larger idea we're going for and i think that's the reason why that's maybe like the best um adaptation of a of a sorkin script because you have sorkin's sort of like flourishing eloquent kind of like very wordy dialogue that's almost rhythmic in nature and sort of funneled through the prism of fincher who is such a perfectionist and i would say put under a
1: microscope like yes
0: is able to sort of like tighten that screenplay and make it so not tighten it as in like we're taking stuff out but of just like gives it a speed and a precision of just like
1: an intention everything has an intention which is really important with that movie
0: you can really tell he and Sorkin worked a lot. You could really tell that Fincher wanted to understand of like, I need to make sure like every single p- piece of dialogue is at maximum impact, and I think that's what helps make that movie just so sharp and electrifying. I mean, I I rewatched it this past week because of the, the like tenth anniversary, and was just like, it was just like Jesus God, Christ, it's been 10 years. <laughs> this movie Wow-y. is just like it it's so entertaining and like every time i watch it 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 is such a like everyone firing on all cylinders and such a like work of really it, it is that. his um his dialogue and his screenwriting i think at ad- just perfected um and through the sort of stylistic prism of venture and i feel like maybe some of my problems with sorkin kind of come in how he can sometimes be a little literal in the themes. Like there's a great moment in that behind the scenes where um, they're talking about the line, I'm CEO bitch in the movie. And Sorkin's kind of trying to hint at like, yeah, it's like, maybe it's all about the girl. Like maybe it's all about this heartbreak he had from that Mark Zuckerberg had from Rooney Mara's character at the beginning of the movie. And Fincher kind of just like slam like, pounds the desk and is just like that's stupid and it's just sort of like what's more interesting is that this line represents this like punk attitude towards like a millennial um entrepreneur saying i'm not going to um you know adapt myself to this previously established corporate culture and i'm going to pave my own way and screw you if you don't want to be a part of it and I feel like some of the issues that Steve Jobs, as fun as I think it is, or even Molly's game kind of gets into is, you know, Molly's game is Sorkin directing Sorkin. Steve Jobs, for as much kind of fun visual flourishes as Danny Boyle puts in that movie. Danny Boyle, I don't think, has the quite the the stranglehold that someone like Fincher has on the material and is maybe not as willing to sort of push back against Sorkin. And you get moments in those movies like steve jobs kind of ends with like a big speech of steve jobs saying like it was all the whole movie is really all about the relationship between him and his daughter and everything was just this like egotistical person trying to like connect to his his child and unable to do so and molly's game has you know that (laughs) A, a scene that, when I saw it in the theater, actively made me want to just, like, hurl booze at the theater where was, Kevin Wait, can, Coster... I, can I guess what
1: it is? Oh, never mind. Never mind.
0: Oh, no. What, what were you going to guess it was?
1: <laughs> I thought it was going to be the... Because it's my name! Oh, now no. Now is the time you read The Crucible! <laughs> no, uh, I exa- no, I no, I know exactly... I think I know what scene you're talking about. Is this the... The bit um, where the Kevin Costner skating?
0: sits... Yeah, where bit where Kevin Costner like sits Jessica Chastain down and basically mansplains to her that the whole movie is about um her daddy issues and her trying to like get back at her father and me just kind of be like, What? Really? Like, I guess. And it just taking it down to this very sort of simplified, very personal, kind of eye rolling level. And I think those are the moments where I think. I think when Sorkin can get preachy and when Sorkin kind of tries to, I think, wrap these very ideological or sort of um monstrously driven characters he's written, draw them into this sort of familiar personal landscape. The 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 screenplays kind of fall apart a little bit. And I the, the screenplays I enjoy the most are where it, it is just sort of like people like you said earlier people who know or think they're the smartest person in the room and going at it with other people who feel or think the exact same way
1: that's what i like about molly's game too is that i yeah it does get a little reductive towards the end but like that is another movie kind of like the social network where it's just like i wouldn't say that they're all awful people in molly's game but i think they're all people who have something to prove and like they really have to push themselves to feel as if they have to outwit some system mm-hmm. in place and that's where that movie really strives stri- like hits its stride for me i don't think that sorkin directing his own material was entirely successful though because i think no. sorkin works really well when someone can interpret his screenplays as opposed mm-hmm. to Him interpreting his own screenplays for the screen i guess Mm -hmm. it just you lose a lot of the subtlety that i think you could pull off in that
0: i think we can kind of talk about molly's game as a transition into trial of the chicago seven because i think for me personally molly game molly's game is kind of the two polar opposites of sorkin um, working in tandem like it there are moments like i'm thinking of the scene where um uh, bill camp plays the guy who goes on this gambling bender at the the, po- the high stakes poker game that jessica chastain has set up and of like that is an example in that movie of peak sorkin like that the kind of sequence that just makes you feel like you're you're soaring on the wings of eagles <laughs> in the movie theater and you're just like this is the most thrilling thing i've ever seen but it is also a movie that has unfiltered sorkin at its worst where you get like the kevin costner scene and you're just like ah i wish i wish there was someone else who was just willing to kind of like push back against how kind of like cheesy and bad this is and trial the chicago that is the
1: importance of a strong producer figure sometimes too mm -hmm um obviously we don't want anyone like the Weinsteins in any which way or form but like you know the Weinsteins pushed back at a lot of people and they changed a lot of shit and it was all really bad but maybe someone with a good opinion who doesn't rate people um could possibly step in and be like hey maybe we should like figure this out a little bit maybe we should flesh this out just a bit
0: yeah so and I I, I bring that up if only because I think Trial of the Chicago 7 just kind of hums along at a sort of middle between those two points. There was never a point in this movie for me where I, um, you know, I, I don't feel like it kind of scraped the barrel or had that kind of like I want to hurl booze at the at my television set level of of badness. But I also think this is one of the like least – interesting and least electric screenplays that sorkin has put out and it doesn't quite have that rapid fire kinetic feel to it that something like the social network or like a few good men has or even steve jobs has that for a majority of its runtime um should probably just mention this movie is about the uh the trial of the chicago seven Yeah, I mean, basically about the trial that happened after the 1968 uh, Democratic Convention, which um, had lots of uh, anti-Vietnam War protests happening outside from a variety of different groups. Eventually, those protests erupted into uh, violent clashes with the police, and seven of the leaders of those groups were on trial for um quote unquote kind of inciting a riot on the city and i th- i'm kind of working through my feelings about this movie because on one hand i think from a pure objective level this is the kind of movie that i i think is going to be sort of warmly embraced as a a quote-unquote perfect movie for the times i found it surreal on many levels the especially since i've been reading a lot about how sorkin said he's been working on this script for years and years and how perfectly it sort of fits in with the political moment that we're in now not just because of protests happening across the country and across the globe since the summer over the Black Lives Matter movement and the deaths of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, but also a kind of um, liberal rage and liberal frustration with kind of conservative institutions, as well as, I think, this idea of what is the best way to sort of advance progressive causes and so i think while this movie doesn't quite reach that sort of peak sorkin level and i've found it from a stylistic standpoint rather underwhelming as a movie i i can definitely see this as the kind of i i i absolutely see this as the kind of movie that i think the culture is going to kind of wrap its arms around and place on a pedestal is kind of a quote-unquote important movie just for how um i don't know how kind of in sync it is with a lot of the political discussions happening right now which you know we can obviously get it i obviously really want to get into kind of how successful the movie is in kind of dealing with that stuff but i think would you not agree that it's 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 kind of undeniable that i think this movie is going to find kind of an energetic audience that um, s- sort of is, is able to kind of funnel a lot of their kind of rage and frustration through the events that happen in this movie.
1: Um, so about that.
0: Let's do it. I'm... Let's, let's just charge into it. I mean,
1: <laughs> I feel like this movie is made for a very specific breed of white liberal. And it is one of those things where it's like like oh, like we wanna change things, but like let's fight against the system before like we like do anything else and oh I don't I don't even know. It just all seems it all seems so filtered, like through this like neutered lens of of just complete unsubtlety. Which, Mm -hmm. like, of course, Aaron Sorkin being unsubtle, big fucking shock. Oh, excuse me. Aaron Sorkin being unsubtle, huge shock. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I I don't think this movie is is successful in what it does. It's really the first, like, Sorkin screenplay where I've just been like, bruh. Come (sighs) on. Like, literally, it's just like, I feel like there were times in this film where it should have been like, record scratch and a character just turns to the screen it's like so what you're seeing on screen right now is actually a metaphor for this and if you didn't get that sorry or it's just like it might as well whenever like Franklin Jella enters the courtroom there might as well be like lightning and the imperial march playing yes with and i'm like yeah of course you have to establish like who are the like protagonists who are the antagonists in this and it's like we get that mm-hmm. we get that like Franklin Jela is a conservative racist judge who hates these people for questioning the system for which he has been allowed to strive within mm-hmm. you don't have to completely tell us that a million times over i don't need that i don't need every scene i don't need every scene in this movie with eddie redmayne to be a complete like like dichotomy comparison with how he and Sasha Baron Cohen's character are completely at odds when it comes to their views, even though they want the same thing, technically, it's like, oh, okay, like so you want you know us to come together in unity and all and like of course, these are not bad things, it's just maybe i'm just so jaded at this point so close to the election and so Mm -hmm. close to everything that we've gone through this year maybe if this movie came out last year i would have been a little bit more cool with it but like at this point it's just like i don't see who this movie is for other than people like i mean granted i do see who this movie is for i really do but i am not a part of that group i am not someone who feels as if like because someone says something on screen or because something is like tied to like modern times that it always has to be so important. I agree Mm -hmm. fully with the politics of this movie. Do not get me wrong. I am in that camp, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I always agree with the way in which people try to get the point across with that. Mm -hmm. I don't always think that, I just I don't know. There I feel like so many times when movies try to make grand political statements like this they all feel end up feeling like the same thing. And this mm-hmm. almost felt almost felt like a satire of other better movies that have done it like in a less almost campy manner. This movie's kinda campy. A little like, bit. I, it... I don't think like I feel like all of the characters, it's like do you remember Do you remember that episode of The Office where they're all, like, I can't remember what they're playing, but they have to put the cards on their heads with the labels, and, like, Dwight's walking around, his just says, like, black on it. It's, like, you're supposed to, like- Yes, yes. People are supposed to, like, pretend, like- it's like no. the
0: racial sensitivity yeah, the training racial sensitivity episode thing.
1: i feel like the makeup and like costume design in this movie was and, like the hair oh my god i felt like the hair in this movie it literally all just felt like they were playing costume dress up and it was like that's not like that's not yahia abdul mateen the second like as bobby seal that is Yah- yahia abdul mateen the second like playing bobby seal or that is mm. jeremy strong playing jerry jerry rubin it's not like these people aren't allowed to disappear into their roles because i feel like everything is like a caricature of a certain brand of liberalism that they are trying to paint in these broad strokes to like bring people together that joseph gordon levitt is like oh like yeah he's working for the system that are actively trying to hurt these people but like he means well like mm, no i wouldn't go that something that i
0: felt was like a little weirdly underdeveloped. um i i I think a kind of like key scene that to me is sort of the most interesting avenue as far as a discussion goes in this movie is the scene between um tom hayden played by eddie redmayne and abby hoffman played by sasha baron cohen where hayden is essentially giving this very like centrist liberal speech about how like it's it's about winning elections and we're we can't make the change that we need without winning elections and we can't win elections if we're doing what you and the hippie movement are doing because you're feeding into this sort of right-wing idea of kind of the brain dead liberals who are just inciting anarchy and are really just about like free love with no direction and are taking drugs and that that speech kind of rang out to me if only because aaron sorkin has made that same speech himself (laughs) either like through other programs like the newsroom or you know has made that case himself i mean there's like some interview i cannot place and I don't, where it is and i don't understand he,
1: what his what his position on that is this movie doesn't take a strong position on anything so or at least i don't feel like it does so whenever i see I, yeah
0: like, i almost wish that that one exchange was more of the movie instead of you know i i will fully admit to being someone who i i think my struggle and how i feel about the movie is yes i found this movie effective in playing into my own frustrations about like the world where and the state of the country that we're in right now but i i don't know what that is as a movie. like i don't know that that's enough as a movie and i think beyond kind of like just sort of saying like hey this bad thing that happened in the past is kind of similar to a bad thing that's happening now and just sort of this movie being a catharsis for that kind of frustration i don't know that one scene which regardless of whether or not i've seen people online already who have said like thank you aaron sorkin for sort of like voicing the kind of like we like get your act together liberalism um charge in that scene as well as other people that are basically just like f that um and and find that scene kind of condescending and kind of backhanded
1: yeah, and I don't really get where it's going with it. I can't, I can't tell if he's trying to do like be a respectable, a respectable liberal, or if it's actually trying to take Abby Hoffman's side with it. I'm ne I'm never sure, and that's the thing. And I don't need someone to, like, I don't need Sorkin to paint it out in queer letters for me because he's painting the rest of the movie with these broad cartoonish mm-hmm. strokes. Yeah. But it's one of those things that if you are going to make a movie that is going, that you are trying to make such a strong political stance on, make a political stance on it other than just a big, broad one.
0: Yeah. Or I just feel like that the idea of that scene is something like that's, that's something to kind of explore and make a movie about, you know, instead of just one sequence kind of at your, your peak, and then to kind of just move on, from is I I I think a also more interesting we're still,
1: and it's also something like people are still trying to come to terms with today. That is not yeah. like that's not something like that I think Sorkin has an answer for. So I don't really know why it's there with like you know with everything with how the justice system had ha- failed these men or how Franklin langella is basically like just might as well have like a german accent and like a nazi armband around his arm with how his character <laughs> acts like with things like that you kind of know i mean we're still struggling with those but we have a general idea of like yeah that's that's bad but mm-hmm. sorkin i don't think ha- approaches the material with enough subtlety to make the case of the actual nuanced points of the how different factions within american liberalism operate and how they often go after yes. each other at the behest of the right wing who are a little bit a little bit more uh willing to make the quote sacrifice of like being less respectable or whatnot as we have seen within the trump world which obviously was a point he was trying to make but i don't think ever actually got around to resolving or even giving a strong message on
0: yeah and i think that's just kind of what i was getting out of like i i agree with you i don't necessarily want an answer from sorkin anyway on that issue but
1: he's not who i turn turn to no,
0: no but of like i think that idea of how 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 do uh how do we practice liberalism and how do we advance sort of progressive policies in a a kind of like productive way and the sort of warring factions between kind of like respectable kind of have to do it by the book versus sort of like be more radical about it i that's an interesting idea for a movie and something that i I feel like would have been a much more meatier discussion point to kind of I- expand on versus how I feel the movie kind of winds up, which is just sort of doing this kind of cross comparison into the these things that we're th- this moment that we are sort of in as a nation now is not too far off from this moment we were in over 50 years ago as a nation and i don't know i just sort of felt that found that a little deflating in a getting to the end and thinking he he showcased a nugget of like a great idea in that sequence and i don't know that i want him to fully land on a side but it's like the like the martin luther king mlk thing in do the right thing which is like in hindsight, it's like really stupid that some critics were like, I can't believe Spike Lee didn't pick a side there, which is like the whole point of that comparison in that movie is like to spark a debate and of like, what if both sides are wrong? What if both sides are right? And of like, how, how do we work together to solve issues and sort of advance progressive policies? Um, But yeah, I, I, I just feel like it kind of gets into this, even by Sorkin standards, just to talk about the style of the movie a little bit, not their that style. S- well, I mean, if we're going to talk about the style of like a screenplay of like writing I style. Don't, okay, cool. Yeah. Not I don't feel gotcha. like this is him kind of like, I, I, I saw something from AA um, a. Dowd at the, the AV club who is basically said like, I, I almost wish he had sort of flexed a little bit more with the screenplay and of like, really make it operatic, really make the courtroom drama, this like kind of epic high drama sort of almost borderline soapy material. And of like, I I was missing a little bit of that, which felt like Sorkin kind of reigned back a little bit and focused a little bit more on a message versus kind of, you know, it's the Charlie Wilson's war thing of that movie. I don't feel is as, rapid fire and energetic and engaging and kind of rhythmic as his best screenplays can be but is sort of just taking this older historical event and kind of trying to draw a line and flirts with an interesting idea of like hey when we sold all the um afghans uh when we sold the taliban all of these weapons so they could defend themselves against the you know the soviets that kind of backfired Oops, against ISIS. us yeah and then it just be like but anyway and then like moves on and the movie ends yeah. and it it i i had that kind of same frustration with this of he seems really interested in doing a movie about the politics of the moment and,
1: and then, then oh final title cards oh
0: yeah and killed then themselves like, in
1: 1989 like oh, like okay well
0: yeah dips out before like just as he's kind of flirted with like the most interesting thing for us to kind of wrestle with and explore as it relates to our modern day politics.
1: Yeah, there's no conclusion to everything. There's nothing that and not saying that it has to wrap things up in a bow, but it genuinely kind of feels unfinished by the end where I'm just like okay, but like so it literally is just the trial of the Chicago 7. Like what mm-hmm. like, way to have a really like apt title, but like like oh oh that's it we're not we're not gonna look back and kind of like it's just kind of like a like what did you learn today type of exercise yes. but it, at the same time i think those are important for films like this mm-hmm. and it, it was one of the same problems i had thinking about it that i had with like last year with ford versus ferrari granted i think ford versus ferrari went way, way, Went on way too long and mm-hmm. then tried to add so much more story at the final title cards that I feel like would have been an interesting thing to actually cover in the film. Mm-hmm. And you know, who knows what that reason was for? I know this movie went through like a lot of. I know it started at DreamWorks and then, then DreamWorks dropped it and then DreamWorks picked it back up, but then they had I it believe with Paramount. So- and then, spielberg
0: was gonna direct it at some point which yeah you know like, i, I would have been you know fascinated to see what that just because i think as you know from a visual filmmaking style perspective like you know yeah. sorkin as great of a writer as he can be is is not steven spielberg no. like and a then steven was, spielberg courtroom drama would have been i think fascinating to watch
1: yeah and then it's like oh and then paramount or, like, then Paramount and Cross Creek pick it up, and DreamWorks comes back on, and then Paramount drops it, Netflix picks it up. It's like, who knows what went on during that time, because it is obviously not a... It has not been a smooth road to the screen, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm I'm gonna talk about what's there on the screen and in the, in the final product. And it just all felt... It felt empty, and it felt... It didn't feel like much of anything. And maybe that's not a terrible thing. I would rather something feel like nothing than feel actively harmful, which is mm-hmm. far from the case with this. I just think it it poses a lot of questions, offers zero solutions, but frames itself in a way as if it has the solutions.
0: Yeah, like, I think it, 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 to me, feels like it feels like a vegetable movie it feels like a movie that is is very very intentionally you know it is very clearly like the 2020 awards season movie that is this is about the times we live in and this is sort of an important movie with important things to say but i think that kind of gets in the way a little bit of um i, I don't know just I, I i think a a certain a certain stylistic flourish that i i think it helps it from being something that i I think is okay i'm a little bit more high on it than you yeah but i i still think is like like mid to lower tier sorkin in in sort of the grand scheme of his filmography that we kind of went through and i think you know kind of I'm I'm interested before we go, because you and I did an Oscar podcast with each other at one point. I think this is maybe our best picture front runner, depending on how the election goes. But it 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 seems like this is the message movie for the season. And I don't I'm not always as engaged with a movie that is solely about message, but can't always match that message with style
1: yeah and i mean it's the same thing that happened a few years ago with another dreamworks movie uh green book that granted i think green book was actively far more reductive and harmful to any sort of message than this i was about to say that this movie is not that bad (laughs) again again i'm not going that far i like do not think this movie it has like harmful ideas or anything like that because i don't think it has any ideas um but it it feels very much so like that kind of movie that, like, a lot of a lot of voters are going to look at and be like, "Oh, like, person says something I agree with. I love this movie," rather than actually sitting down with the movie itself and and cr- criticizing it and looking at it as a piece of art rather than a piece of uh, political messaging. Uh, I don't think it's really that successful at either but there are going to be people that I think look at this movie a lot of people actually and they're going to see themselves in some of these characters hell I even saw myself in some of these characters but I Mm -hmm. never had the um like I was never given the chance to actually emotionally connect with them in any substantial way maybe that was just Jeremy Strong's accent who knows but
0: like I'm I'm always here as a Jeremy Strong stan listen
1: (laughs) There are so many British actors in this movie doing accents that are actually good. And then you have Jeremy Strong, like, who is from... Where is he? I know he's American, but I don't know where he was born. But then you have Jeremy Strong, who is American, doing quite possibly, I think, the most cartoonish, hippie, like, impersonation. Just, just, man, we gotta love each other. And, like... (laughs) Yeah, G- just,
0: give me more just I and
1: like that's <laughs> fun so but much. also at the same time if no one else around you is giving that much camp you kind of stick out and yes here's the thing i was like okay jeremy strong either you need to calm down or everyone else needs to get the hell up because mm-hmm. i would enjoy a movie where maybe you weren't so like noticeably out there and maybe the same with uh with Franklin Jella. But also at the same time, if everyone was operating on the same level as those two actors, maybe I would have had more more of a reaction to this movie. But yeah, I think it's gonna be successful because of that, like, oh, this makes me feel like decent that I uh that I feel for these people who are on trial. When I feel like a lot of the people especially a lot of the older people watching this movie probably were not on their side when it happened.
0: Yeah, I I think you know, you kind of hit the nail in the coffin. I think this is a movie that I I I guess at its its best effect is just going to like, I don't know, energize maybe a, a section of the population just to vote.
1: I'm about to say you know what, <laughs> if this movie gets one person to vote, I will shut <laughs> up and never say a single bad thing about it again. But that's kind of my thing watching
0: it. I was like, I don't know. I guess if it gets someone to vote, sure. But, like, I was was a little let down. But as a, but as as a movie, like a I will of, roast it. Of art. Yeah. Yes, definitely.
1: Like, I will, um, I will, like, roast you for it. But, like, at the same time, if you connect with it, if you feel something with it, I ain't here to tell you that you're wrong. I'm just here to tell you that I did not feel the same thing.
0: Yeah. Well, Hunter, thank you for uh, stopping by this week and Lovely to discussing be uh, the career of, of Aaron Sorkin. Uh, coming up Sorry, in the Aaron next Sorkin. few weeks...
1: Sorry, Aaron Sorkin. I didn't mean to be mean about your movie. Please be nice to me.
0: Aaron Sorkin, if there's any way I can see To Kill a Mockingbird, I will 1,000% take it. Just point, point me in the direction. Um, coming up in the next few weeks, next week, a uh, really fun conversation about uh, Ben Wheatley's remake of Rebecca as well as probably revisiting the next week oh my god yeah (laughs) just in time for halloween as well as revisiting the uh the alfred hitchcock original and uh right before election day here in the u.s we're going to be having a an an interesting conversation i think about two movies that are going to kind of try and say a lot about um america at this moment uh one of those is american utopia which on HBO, and the other one is uh, another Sasha Baron Cohen vehicle. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen in the Aaron Sorkin movie and is uh, once again bringing back the character of Borat to, I don't know, lampoon America for the second time. So look forward to those episodes in the coming weeks.